How are we doing, guys? Doing all right? Good to hear that Timon's doing well. Anyone else doing well? Yeah, we're all right. Nah, it's really good to be with you guys tonight. And I hope if you've had a bit of a school holiday or a uni break uh, or some time off work, maybe, I don't know, we had the long weekend, that you're feeling refreshed and ready for a new term. Uh, I'm really excited to be starting uh, a new series tonight uh, through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I'm also really excited for a new term of youth. We've got some of our youth here tonight. I just want to share a little bit about what some of the things we've been up to. One of the things yesterday, uh, we were, um, some of our members uh, participated in a, a national youth conference. It was only uh, online because we couldn't go. We were going to go to New South Wales, but it was cancelled. So uh, we participated in this um, online version. It was really encouraging. We had most of Saturday and they actually asked us from little old Adelaide to come and um, share a bit about what was happening in our youth group and some of our youth shared how God has been uh, working in their lives. And it was just a real proud moment that um, City Reach youth were being represented all around Australia. They were hearing about what God was doing here. And so just want to share that with you. It was really cool and um, really encouraged. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the term and what God's going to do. And I see some uh, overflow t-shirts around here represent. Uh, we're going to be trying to uh, uh, give those out. So. Uh, I want to start tonight with a little game. It's going to have a bit of fun. It's a bit like Where's Wally? But instead I call it Spot the Christian. So I'm going to describe to you some characteristics of a... Uh, 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 some, uh, some characteristics. I need, to tell you, I need you to tell me if you reckon this is a Christian or not, if this looks like a Christian. So uh, number one, where's an overtly Christian type? Christian? Not Christian? Number two, uh, Instagram's their Bible devotions. Come on. Come on. Number three, studies at a Christian college. Or oh, a bit trickier, this one. Maybe a Christian, maybe not. Number four, drops, and I'll be praying for you in conversation. Come on, that. If someone drops one of those bombs, you know that person is a Christian. Uh, number five, has a hashtag blessed bumper sticker. Can't, yeah. Or number six, lastly, brings a big tattered study Bible to church. Woo! That's a Christian. Now, of course, none of these characteristics are bad, but I want to I get, maybe, actually, maybe Instagram your Bible devotions. Don't do that. But I want us to get us thinking, what, cat, what categorizes the citizens of the kingdom? In other words, how should those who give their allegiance, their trust to Jesus, or Christians, how should they live in the world? And how would people describe us? How would people recognize us? And it's an important question for us to consider because do you know what's the biggest criticism of Christians today? I don't think it's that we take Jesus too stubbornly seriously. No, it's that we say we do, but we don't. In other words, that we're hypocrites. And would they be wrong? This is why as we start a new series tonight on the Sermon on the Mount, I've been really challenged reading through it and, and studying and praying over it. But I'm revved up to want to live this way with you, living out our new identity through community on mission. The Sermon on the Mount, perhaps most famous of Jesus' teaching, was recorded in Matthew's Gospel. And as Christians, we love to reference it. If you're not a Christian with us, uh, you probably heard parts of it before. But, you know, I don't know. I don't always think we know how to uh, use it or apply it. We can kind of trip up with the lots of the commands that Jesus seems to give and teach and wonder if we're actually expected to live like this, 
given that we're saved by grace and not by works. So was it instead like something, maybe it's like the law of Moses that just shows us that we fall short and we need grace? Well, if we're to take Jesus' words seriously at the end of the sermon, so you've got your Bibles there, crack it open to Matthew 5, just jump to the end of the sermon, chapter 7, verse 24. Take a look at what he says about the wise builders. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like the man, the wise man who builds his house on the rock. So my question, what if Jesus was serious and is actually calling us to live like this? Uh, It's actually a title of a book on the screen there I want to recommend to you for this series. Uh, It really challenged and inspired me to live this beautiful life that Jesus calls us to in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a daily devotional book, but I just read it like a book. um, And I've got a few copies uh, on its way. If you want to borrow it, I'd I'd recommend the Kindle version. Just another resource for you to go deeper in your devotion to the Lord. Um, Just something to supplement there. as It'll work nicely with this series if you are interested. Um, But let's get into this. The the Sermon on the Mount, I believe, is a new way of living that Jesus calls us to as members of the kingdom. I want to say that again. The Sermon on the Mount, I believe, is a new way of living that Jesus calls us to as members of the kingdom of God. At this point, I want to start and just clarify a few things because uh, I should explain what is the kingdom of God. I mean, we kind of like to use this Christian jargon, you know, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. But what are we actually talking about when we say that? What is that? Uh, So just a few points as we get into this. The kingdom of God, uh, firstly, is God's eternal and always rule in the sense of God's universal power over creation. So it's it's always and eternal, God's kingdom rule. And it's nothing less than that. But it is also specific to those who have given their allegiance to him, recognizing them as king. So we see in the Old Testament, God calling a people who would live under his rule and his blessing. And and these people were called, uh, were uh, promised an everlasting kingdom to, to be a blessing to all the world with an everlasting king. So specific. Uh, But if you've got that Sermon on the Mount open, uh, look back at chapter 4, just before this sermon. Jesus comes and he begins his ministry. We read in Matthew 4, 17, he declared that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is present now. Jesus the Messiah, through through his death and resurrection, ushered in a new paradigm of his kingship, inviting enemies of God into the fold, into his inheritance. So we see like Paul, the apostle in Colossians writes, he's delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's a reality now. Or Philippians 3 says we are citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. The kingdom of God is a reality now for those who put their faith in Jesus. But the kingdom of God is also expanding. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As Jesus' work is done in the world, we call upon Jesus to come and bring his kingdom. We, in its, uh, we, we call on him for the world to come into alignment with his will as we see his kingdom come. The kingdom is expanding. But the kingdom in its fullness is not here. It's not yet. 
is still to come. So Jesus promises a final moment and time when his kingdom will be experienced in its fullness reality in the new heavens and the new earth. So this is what we're talking about, the kingdom of God and what it's like. And so what does all this mean? When we trust in Jesus and we are given access to this kingdom reality, to this new story, this new allegiance, this new life, with it comes a new way of living. It's the big point of tonight. As kingdom citizens, members of this new reality, we have a new way of living. Now, the new way of living doesn't grant us access to the kingdom, but rather, as members of the kingdom, we have a calling. And we also have the power to do so and the power of the Spirit to live distinctively as we seek to bring Christ's rule and reign in our lives and in our world. It's the kingdom living. But do you realize that kingdom living is, in fact, a resistance against the pull and the pressure of the world that doesn't share our allegiance? It's why I've called this series A Beautiful Resistance. Beautiful resistance. Roman uh, 12.2, Paul reminds us, he said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. In other words, don't let the world shape you. Don't let the world, don't be conformed to that. He said, resist, resist the world, but be transformed, be renewed. And so over the next eight weeks, we're going to be looking at how Jesus invites his kingdom citizens to resist the way of the world and to step into the beauty and the glory of his kingdom living of humility over power, conviction over compromise, self-sacrifice, resisting self-promotion, intimacy over image, devotion over distraction, care over criticism, presence over performance, transformation over information. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into this beautiful teaching of Jesus as he calls us to this kingdom living to resist the world. And you know what? The world is crying out for us to do this. The world needs us to be the church, to be different for the sake of its redemption. Sky Jatani, who writes this book I recommend, he says this in his introduction. Far from being hostile towards Jesus' message, my experience has been that our society is hungry for precisely the kind of integrity, gentleness, kindness, and love Jesus reveals in his sermon. We who claim to be Jesus' followers and seek a life shaped by his kingdom hold the antidote to the division and anger that is poisoning our culture. If we want the culture to take Jesus more seriously, maybe we should try it first oof after that if the culture still rejects Christians and our message at least it will be for the right reason this is kingdom living that we're called to we talked about that what that is well tonight we start in uh, Jesus' sermon the Beatitudes the first 12 verses uh, and I want us to see as Jesus reveals it we're going to see tonight kingdom priorities and then kingdom rewards that's where we're going but first I want to tell you a story Uh, there was once an evangelist that came to a town, and a young man was converted. Uh, the man was given a Bible, and uh, he was told to encourage to read through Matthew's gospel. 
Uh, he spoke with the evangelist, and the evangelist recommended that he join a church, and he, he suggested one down the road. Awesome, the guy thought. He's eager as to join a community of other Christians. Well, three weeks later, he sees the evangelist again, and the evangelist asks him what he thought of church. Well, as the young man had been reading through Matthew, and he'd come up to chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, he told the evangelist that he wondered if this church that he'd attended had gone through each of the list of the Beatitudes and believed the exact opposite. You see, it was the powerful, the rich, the comfortable, the proud that were seen as blessed. That was still the picture of the good life for this church. It makes you wonder what our view of the blessed life is. In what circumstances would you describe yourself as blessed? What are our kingdom priorities? Our kingdom priorities. What is our picture of the blessed life? And it really comes down to whether we are living for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of now. I think the strongest force, the most domineering master, the most tyrannical dictator in people's lives is is God of now, of immediacy. The strongest force in people's lives is now because, because culture does not believe in anything beyond what we see or beyond this life, we are ruled by YOLO and FOMO. For anyone over 35, uh, you only live once and a fear of missing out. That's our ruler, is this kingdom of now, of immediacy. And therefore tonight, I want to hold up to you the priorities of culture to the priorities of the kingdom. Priorities of the kingdom of now and the priorities of the kingdom of God that we see in the Beatitudes. And to explain firstly the priorities of the kingdom of now, I want to share with you three reality TV shows that demonstrate my point. So what I'm going to do is I want to show you a picture of a reality TV show. Then I want you to take 10 seconds, turn to the person next to you and ask, what do you think is the priority reflected in this reality TV show um, of of our kingdom of now? So number one, Survivor. What do you think? Take 10 seconds. What's the priority reflected in this uh, reality TV show? What do you reckon? Any, anyone? Any uh, clue? Feel free to shout it out. What are some ideas? Survival. Yeah. The only one. Oh, they're better than all mine. That's right. Now, what I saw, Survivor can be boiled down to power. Maintain power so that you can win the challenges and don't get evicted. Power is a priority in our culture. This power comes in the form of wealth and control so that you can maintain the world the way you want it to be. It's why politics is so volatile. It's all about gaining and securing Power. I think power is a priority, particularly if we're living for the kingdom of now. Number two, the block. Ten seconds, go. What priority is reflected? Go, ten seconds. You got. Okay, what do we get? What are some ideas? This one's a bit more of a stretch. Uh, I'm sorry, but bear with me. Pride. It's not that. It's reflected, I think, is privilege. Essentially, all the block is about 
is about building and showcasing beautiful homes, beautiful living rooms, beautiful bathrooms. As we watch, part of us lusts after the comfort, the prestige of a fancy new home. You see, when we live for our kingdom of now, our priority will be comfort. And what happens then is we start self-justifying, saying, I I deserve comfort. Which leads us to protect our privilege. Our privilege. Priority number three, the bachelor. Might be a bit easier. What do you think? Ten seconds, go. What is it? I'll give you a clue. It starts with P, power, privilege. Yeah, there, there it is, pleasure. The priority of the kingdom of now is pleasure. The Bachelor showcases our wildest fantasies, having many suitors to choose from to please us. It's, it's the consumer culture where choice is king, where preference is queen, and the enemy is anyone and anything that would stand in the way of us getting our satisfaction and our pleasure. So the blessed life in the kingdom of now is maximum power, maximum pleasure, maximum privilege. Amen? No, (laughs) don't amen that. In case you don't pick it up, I'm not a big fan of reality TV shows, so I wouldn't wouldn't recommend. We can, you know, we, we can quickly scoff at the unrighteous worldliness of the media, but I want us to stop right here and I want us to take a good look at ourselves. Because so much of the priorities of the world, when the priorities of the kingdom of now, don't, when you boil it all down, doesn't look much different for us. You know, how much are we ruled by a fear of losing control? We want to maintain the world that we want, and that's control, that's power. Or how much of our priority is maintaining our comfort? We want things to be kept the same, we don't want anyone to take away our comfort. How much do we prioritize maximizing our enjoyment? It's all about pleasure. Are our priorities any different to the world? And you know, am I saying that comfort or pleasure is wrong? No. But I do think Jesus challenges our priorities. He challenges our measure of what and who is blessed. So Jesus sits down on the mountain with his disciples, with the crowd in view, and he, and he shares. If you've got that open, Matthew chapter 5, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Jesus offers a new perspective of those who are blessed. It's not the powerful. It's not the comfortable. It's not the wealthy. The blessed ones in the kingdom of God are the poor in spirit and the humble. Jesus' kingdom priorities are different. Instead of the powerful and the proud who are blessed, it is the humble. What I want to do is, I'm not going to go through each beatitude individually, but instead I want to pick up on three emphases. Uh, as we live as members of the kingdom, 
This is what should characterize us. This is the picture of those who are blessed in God's eyes. These are kingdom priorities. And I've got three reality TV... No, I don't. I I don't have any TV shows for you, but uh, I don't think there could be a reality TV show that people would watch that would reflect these. But this is what we're called to. This is the kingdom priorities. Firstly, vulnerability. It is the poor in spirit. Those who recognize their need, their poverty before God. Those who mourn, mourn over their sinfulness. The meek who recognize that they don't deserve anything but humbly depend on God's kindness. Why is it as Christians do we conceal what is really going on and we pretend that we have it all together? Isn't following Jesus all about recognizing that we cannot save ourselves, but we desperately need God's grace? And yet we wallow in our shame alone, but then we come to church and community group and we put on masks, pretending that we fit in with the nice, perfect Christian posse. No, the blessed are those who are willing to be vulnerable who recognize their need for Jesus and his grace. Vulnerability, being authentically honest with one another and with God. May that be what describes us as a community. You don't need to put on a mask. You don't need to dress up your spiritual life with notions of, you know, I'm doing okay and... You know, I know I can pray more and read my Bible more when inside you're feeling spiritually dead. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Recognize your poverty. Grieve over the reality and come with me to Jesus who will comfort you. Just stop pretending. Stop pretending. It's not the powerful who have it all together. It's the humble who recognize their need for God. They are the blessed ones the kingdom secondly spiritual hunger spiritual hunger blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness blessed are the pure in heart a priority of the kingdom is desire but it is a stronger desire than for simple pleasure it's a hunger for God and desperation for him to meet us. As, as the psalmist cries out, as the deer pants or the deer thirsts for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you, O oh God. Are you satisfied or are you hungry? Are you comfortable with your sin or do you actually want God's righteousness? Do you want to see God? You know, We are so drunk with our comfortableness, stumbling through Netflix show to the next, that we don't even realize that we're dehydrated from our drunkenness. Jesus says the one who are blessed, they are the ones who want more. They want God. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're they're pure in heart, this kind of single-minded in their devotion to God. Hunger, not comfort, not privilege. They are the blessed ones. You know, I don't know how to help you apply this any more than to encourage you to ask God for a hunger. Maybe we need to fast to remind ourselves of our need for God to increase our hunger for Him. Perhaps fast a day from TV or fast from food or socials. Ask God for a hunger for Him. And you know, I'd 
as I was right uh, practicing this, I thought, man, I need to live what I'm preaching. And so I want you guys to help me. Tomorrow I'm going to uh, fast from TV. It's only small. It's only going to be a day. But I, I want to set aside one of my comforts so that I can ask God for a hunger. So what are you going to do? Jo- join me in. I think I need to live this out if I'm going to preach it. So um, let's ask God for hunger for him. And thirdly, third kingdom priority that I see here is selflessness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the persecuted. You know, I think this is where cultural Christianity has really missed the mark. And it's an opportunity for us as believers to reclaim our identity that Jesus invites us and calls us to. And you know what it starts with? It starts with laying down our rights. It starts with laying down our rights. Australia is not a Christian nation. Privilege is not something that is deserved. It's not guaranteed nor should be expected. Rather, mercy, another word for charity, should be our priority, not maintaining our power. Just as Jesus, he laid aside his rights he was willing to die for his enemies so too might we seek to love and be a blessing to those who persecute us just as in 1 Peter 2 we looked at it on our youth camp he reminds us to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps Jesus laid down his life he laid down his rights You know, I hate it when people say that Christian humility shouldn't mean that we be a doormat that people walk all over us. And maybe you've heard that before, you know. Being humble doesn't mean people walk over us. My answer, why not? In our pursuit of love and selflessness, would we not still pursue to be a blessing and a light to those who would walk over us? What can they do to us anyway? What can they take away from us that we are so afraid of being walked over? What can we do as Christians to be a force of love, of mercy, of charity and peace in this world that costs us something? See, the blessed ones, the children of God, the inheritors of the kingdom, they don't claw for protection and rights and comfort. They lay down their lives for the good of others. They're not trying to protect comfort or pleasure. They're laying down selflessly, called to be merciful. It's that undeserved mercy, that charity, that peacemaker. Imagine if the church was known for this. Imagine if your friends knew you were a Christian, not because you wore a tie, but because you went the extra mile, because you were selfless. You turned the other cheek. You loved those who hated you. What if people knew that we were the church because of that? Kingdom priorities. What if Jesus was serious and he calls us to this kind of life? This kind of life. You know, in a kingdom of now perspective, a kingdom of now perspective, humility, vulnerability, spiritual hunger, selflessness, it is stupid. I mean, it doesn't make sense. You see, I think we struggle with living out this Beatitudes because we have this kingdom of now vision and our perspective is too small. 
It's a kingdom of now outlook. And so when we share a vision of now, when we share this vision of protecting today, the immediate, of course we're going to fight for our rights. Of course we would be fearful of opposition parties making laws against us, fearful of being walked over, fearful of being taken advantage of. But you see that Jesus invites us to a greater vision, a vision of the kingdom of heaven. When we lift our eyes to kingdom rewards, I want you to see them in the Beatitudes. If you've got that passage open to it, look at these rewards. This is to, to Jesus' kingdom inheritance, to his comfort, to his spiritual fulfillment, to his mercy, to his presence, to his eternal adoption. When that is our perspective, of course being poor in spirit and merciful now and hungry now and selfless now is a blessed life. The problem with our culture, as C.S. Lewis puts it, is that we are too easily satisfied when God offers far, far more than what we could imagine. This is faith. The life of the Christian who knows suffering now, laying down our rights now, is nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed. I want to read to you these words from Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully. Give yourselves. Lay it down to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When we have this perspective, the perspective of immortality, of life after death, where death is not the answer, then our labor now, our laying down now, our giving of ourselves now is not in vain. Kingdom priorities make sense in view of kingdom rewards. Kingdom priorities make sense in view of kingdom rewards. Jesus has purchased everything for you through his death and his resurrection, reconciling you to God. That's your identity. That's who you are. You are citizens. So we're watching a kick yesterday. One of the speakers talked about, he invited everyone just to say, I am holy, because that is your identity. In Jesus, you are holy. You are a citizen of heaven. So let go of your rights. Let go of control. Let go of your need for comfort and trust him. Trust him in your suffering now. Trust him. Step into this radical kingdom living of humility and vulnerability, spiritual hunger and selflessness in view of his immeasurable kingdom rewards. We need that perspective. And so where does that leave us? I want to give you guys a few uh, thoughts of application. Number one, tell someone how you are really going. Next time someone asks you, be honest. Be honest. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Tell them how you're really going. Number two, check your allegiances. We are kingdom citizens before we are conservative 
or liberal, insert political affiliation there. We're kingdom citizens. Don't get swept up in debates as if every issue was an existential issue. Because we know the one who controls our existence. Know who is in control and therefore be willing to lose sometimes. Check your allegiances. Know that we're kingdom citizens first. Number three, do something for your neighbor that costs you something. Give your money. Give your time. Sacrifice your grades for the sake of loving and caring for someone. And I can't tell you what that will be, but I know that there will come a time this week where there will be someone who needs your help. Someone who you can show mercy, you can show peace to, you can show love. So do something for your neighbor. Number four, practice king, kingdom mindfulness. In other words, take some time to reconfigure your heart and your attitude in light of your standing in the kingdom of heaven. I think we need to do this. We need to stop. We need to slow down. We need to fast, we need to pray, we need to soak in God's word, and we need to rest in his control. It's this, it's this kingdom of now, kingdom of heaven shift. So easily we just go back to default, and, and what is our ruler is now, and that controls us. Take some time, stop, be with the Lord, and shift that perspective to kingdom of heaven. Let go of your fear. And so let it be known of this community of you and of me, that we are Jesus' disciples, not just in words, but in action. We are kingdom citizens through faith in Jesus. And he invites you and me into kingdom living with kingdom priorities in view of kingdom rewards. Let's do it. Let's trust him. Guys, help me to do that and help, help one another to do this. Glory to God. Joy to the city. That's our identity. Let's do it. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we just come before you in worship and adoration. You are so, so perfect and so wonderful and so good that you would lay down your life for us, even when we were enemies, in our sinfulness, Lord, we know that we deserve your punishment, but you, in your grace, you extend mercy and you invite us in, you adopt us as your children, you comfort us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But Lord, I pray here tonight that you would stir in us by your spirit to help us to live as citizens of the kingdom and that people would see us and that they would see that we are yours, that we are known as Christians because of the way we love one another and we love our community. Lord, help us. So I don't just pray for tonight. I pray for tomorrow. I pray for this week and this month. Help us to live this way, Lord. Transform us. Lord, you've given us these words. You've called us to this living. We can only do this in the power of your spirit. So we just invite you, Lord, come and do this work in us. Shake us out of this slavery to now and help us to love you and serve you, our King, the King of heaven. Thank you, Lord, that death is not the end. Death has lost its sting. And Lord, we are clothed with immortality now. So help us to walk in that. Walk in that faith and trust to lay it down, lay down our rights. Help us to be that, Lord. We need you. We need you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Guys, let's stand. Let's sing together. Let's devote ourselves to the Lord tonight.